When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everybody. My name's Neil White, and from Backpage, you're listening to The Big Interview with Graham Hunter at the Euros. Graham, what day is this? This is the end of a terrible, terrible time without football. It feels like it must have been 48 hours. We need to talk about something that is um, not really tethered to the Euros. It's more Copa America if you want to get summer football-y. But the biggest story in football in the UK today has been nothing to do with the forthcoming quarterfinals of Euro 2020 delayed. It's been all about a young player that you may or may not be aware of, Graham, called Leo Messi of some promise Leo Messi's contract for anybody who has been locked under the stairs for uh, 24 hours has trundled to its termination and he is now technically a free agent on a Bosman, etc. Graham, there seems to be quite a kerfuffle about this. How much smoke, how much fire? Is he, is he really a free agent or is this just a staging post in a story that we kind of know the end of? I really like doing this kind of shit with you because... You've used tethered, I think you said etc. etc. There's just really good words all the time. It's oh, like roughage, it's you. like nourishment. Um, winter football, of course, actually, if you want to really be accurate about how it's being played um, for Argentina, at least. Although I seem to remember that it's quite, it was quite sprunty in, in Brazil at this time of the year when we played the World Cup there. So, yeah, that, that kid, Messi. Um, I, I'm really. Uh, I'm really pleased because they're they're winning um, Argentina. That I'll be Celeste. The big game against Uruguay was set up by Guido Rodriguez, who I remember during the lockdown in 2020, I interviewed, and his big big prayer. I don't know, but you could barely believe he was saying it out loud that he wanted to be titular, as they call it, you know, a starter at the Copa America. And the, and the object of our discussion was. Have you played with Messi and what? Would, and he said like a couple of times, and it just became like a little schoolgirl. He was just like all of a quiver. This hard man, and um, they're doing well. They've beaten Uruguay. They've beaten at least Paraguay. The next game, I think, is going to be on the fourth of July, where it's stars and stripes forever. I'm relatively sure they're playing Ecuador. The the affair that you're talking about is the fact that he's allowed his contract at Football Club Barcelona to run right down. So while since January the 1st, 2021, he's been entitled to negotiate with clubs if he wanted to, and, and undoubtedly those clubs have been in touch and been in touch well out with the, the regulated times. He, he could, if he wanted to, 
tonight, tomorrow, whatever you want to call it. Sign for another club, free. Um, I'm not super sure why his birthday passed, and a lot of people said to me, ah, oh, they'll announce on his birthday. The contract date has passed, and I think there are two, two key things to say. One, I don't believe that because the contract has run out, anything has, has changed other than the legalities. If he wanted to sign for another club, commit to another club, it, he'd have done it weeks, maybe months ago. An adjunct to that, a little point, you know, one point one on that one is that it's quite clear that Barcelona haven't satisfied him. Otherwise, he'd have got the business out of the way. But I didn't expect, truthfully, I didn't really expect an announcement about a, a renegotiated contract to stay on to take place during the Copa America or a, an announcement of departure. I might be wrong about that. That supposition, it's not, it's not hard news. Because he's so dedicated to, to lifting his trophy. I'm now surer than just opinion that what has happened is that this is dragged on because Barcelona haven't yet convinced him. Not necessarily about staying. I think staying remains his number one objective. I've never thought it was impossible that he would leave. It becomes bloody tantalising the fact that Mbappe's going to do a, one more year of his contract then leave. Neymar's desperate to play with Messi. Ramos seems to be getting closer to um, Paris Saint-Germain. Paris Saint-Germain's owner took the work out of Leonardo's hands to say, I'll, I'll paint that. No, 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 no. That's a slip. That's a lapsus. It wasn't ceiling painting. Leonardo was in charge of contract renewals. Hero in a quarter shell, it turns out, this time. And when the owner comes in and says, you're not doing a good enough job... Leonardo already having been the guy who pushed Tuchel out and Tuchel went on to win the Champions League. It's a flipping madhouse. Would you, would you, is this a way to run a ballroom? Would you go to PSG right now if you were Leo Messi? If you were like a mental case like me or Neil and thought, hell yeah, that looks like fun. It might be a total pineapple jamboree, but let's just go over there and see what happens. You know, there are players we've interviewed in, our, in the big interview series who'd be like, you know, this isn't necessarily the right move, but boy, that water looks tempting, I'm diving on in. I don't think that's messy. I, I've never been convinced that, that he's convinced about the idea of moving to England and living in Manchester and playing at Manchester City. I absolutely do not rule it out. The, the interest is there from the owners. The financial power is there. I just don't think he's convinced. So overall, I still think Messi stays, but I think it's crystal clear that he and the club have not yet reached terms. I don't think they're saving this for a dramatic finale. I don't think it's guaranteed that they've got him. And I think it's legitimate. I think it's actually wise of him to push this as hard as he can get. Not on the money side, because I've got no sympathy for people who, who've been earning hundreds of millions for 10 years and then, and then look at the last cent and dime. But in terms of where he spends the next couple of years, who's going to be there, the coach... I told you before, and this is now not opinion, this is knowledge. As much as Messi reacted to Koeman and respects Koeman, Messi's view in the last couple of months, particularly after the cup final, was that he he doubted Koeman's ability to coach the team adequately to the big prizes. Now, with Depay and Aguero and Eric Garcia, who knows, maybe, maybe that might change. I'm pleased for two reasons that Messi hasn't rushed an announcement in to say, 
I'm definitely leaving. I'm definitely staying. One, because he, he should go all out to win this Copa America. It's very, very, very important. And two, it matters to me. I, I owe massive amounts of enjoyment and happiness and commercial well-being in my life to Leo Messi. And therefore, I want him to make the right decision. I will not uh, weep or lament if he chooses to leave. I will be gently surprised. And I think what he's doing is, is, is turning the screw a little bit. And I think he's right to do that. Thanks, Graham. We are the big interview at the Euros. So let's leave Leo and Barcelona there. And after this quick break, talk about the first two quarterfinals of Euro 2020. Listeners, I hope you caught our special on the Italian coaching duo of Roberto Mancini and Gianluca Vialli from the beginning of your archives. But Graham, this one will come down to the players and not these two wonderful old pals in the dugout for Italy. And it might come down to the players who aren't on the pitch as well as those who are. Yeah, I think that's the right tack um, because when the game was unfolding, I, I definitely thought even when De Bruyne and Hazard were on the pitch together... I definitely saw a Belgium side which looked much more lacking in, in zip and in self-confidence and just athletic energy than I had expected. So if you then take um, what they went through for the remainder of the game and the fact that it is still um, this morning, right now, I don't think Roberto Martinez has taken the decision about whether the, either of them play. I, I don't think when Hazard is complaining about hamstring I think it's an enormous risk for a player who's missed as much football as him to be played. And therefore, I'll be a little bit surprised if Eden Hazard plays. De Bruyne, slightly different thoughts. I think he might start. So I'm, I'm a bit frightened, actually, because this should be titanic. And this should be a brilliant way to, to learn about Italy. Um, I, I want to be careful about how I describe Italy in that they've given us a lot of thrills. It's massive kudos to Mancini in that there aren't a lot of emerging superstar players, like superstar players in, in that group, beyond what we knew about Donnarumma being special, still pretty young, 
and therefore that he's going to have tournaments where he drops something where he's off form he's in the process of moving clubs right now and Therefore, he, he's one of those ones that you can say, yeah, look, what a pedigree at that age, brilliant. But you, you can't class him with Bonucci and Chiellini yet. Chiellini looks like he's fit. But if you look across the rest of the team, there's a lot of B-plus players. But I'm not sure there's a, a whole heap of AAA players. And therefore, you have to stop and say, well, kudos to, to Mancini. He's made it into a super exciting, very self-confident, often very daring football team that's been a pleasure to watch. Yet when somebody went toe-to-toe with them, and it's absolutely clear that Austria are not as good as Belgium, what you want then is Italy's big brothers because Belgium have proven under Martinez to be daring, attacking, attractive, self-confident, but with much better players than Italy. If you go man for man right across the 11 and probably even across the 15, maybe not against the, across the whole squad, you'd say, well, Belgium should go through here. Belgium should also show Italy what they're aiming to be in a year and a half or two years. But that might not happen. I haven't seen the, 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 the bookish take on it, but I'd imagine after what they saw on Belgium-Portugal, and Belgium not, uh, Portugal didn't just make them run a lot, they you know, hoofed them around the park quite a lot. And I'm a bit troubled that having seen De Bruyne not be physically able to make an impact in the Champions League final. If that happens again and Belgium go out, then I'll be a little bit sad because I want, I'd love to make this a litmus test of which is the better operating eleven, which is the cleverer coach who can read things in-game, not pre-game. I want to see that. I want to see Belgium at their best, tested by this young, coltish, you know, puppy chasing a tennis ball, Italy. When did you ever think we'd hear those words when we were growing up watching Italy? Not at all. And we're gonna. It looks like we're gonna be robbed of that. There's no way that both Eden Hazard and De Bruyne start and are on top form. Just no way. So who wins? I am torn. Listener, are you torn between? Look at what Austria did to them. Look at how they got confused and if they were when they were run at, they looked ragged and they didn't have a recourse. Or do we think glass half full? Look at the way they came back off the ropes. The subs changed the game. Chiesa was so daring in not just not his finish but his control when he bounces the ball how he gets his foot up that high that quickly to beat the defender and finish that was pretty gorgeous so Neil I think it'll be a version of what you said you know game of the round but we should be saying this has definitely got potential to be the game of the tournament we've seen enough to know that what what did I say the stat was yesterday 70% of the goals are coming or no have come not are coming have come in the second half or extra time and that tells you, and also the score, the amount of goals that have gone in so far compared to the last tournament, last Euros, pardon me, tells you that we're beginning to see the sides with greater physical aggression and determination, the sides with greater stamina and athleticism, and the sides with the better benches being the ones that go through. All right, that's Spain, isn't it? If we're grading these guys like you did with Italy, they don't have the A-plus all-stars that won three tournaments in a row, but they do have lots and lots of players who can come off the bench and maintain the quality in the game plan. Against uh, Slovakia, the, the the great Ferrari acceleration came from the introduction of Ferran Torres, who scored immediately that beautiful goal set up by Pedri and Sarabia. Pau Torres forces a goal. There really was uh, a sense of um, yeah, hunger and anger off the bench. Against Croatia, it's probably still more perceptible because although... 
Paulo Torres double left back pairing at the back with uh, Laporte didn't look right and was I think a, a partial flaw in the in the third goal that Croatia scored to make it three three. Paulo Torres takes a quick quick free kick down in the le- in the left back position off his left foot, lobs it to Ferran Torres and and that I think was the three one goal. Danny Olmo should score the four one goal, but Olmo's two chips I think create both of the last two goals. Um, Mikel Oyarzabal another sub. Scores against Croatia, big deal, really big deal. The mystery in it all is, um, I watched Gerard Moreno in training yesterday, just slamming the ball in. And Gerard Moreno did what you talked about. He, he, they went long in the final. Probably they were left a little bit more energy than Manchester United in the Europa League. And Gerard Moreno gets the goal and I think scores his penalty. I'm reaching. I am. I'm, I'm reaching for a reason why Gerard Moreno hasn't played more minutes. I think he's got a couple of assists. He, he probably got the most crucial assist in in the whole tournament for Spain so far. Pedri dinks the ball forward and Gerard runs onto it, scrimmages for it, gets it, flicks it back across the goal. Laporte makes it 2-0 just before halftime. So they're not only leading by a fluke goal and at halftime they're 2-0 up. And that's Gerard who's done it. So what's going on? I don't know. Does he start? I don't know. But you talked about the subs. They are giving you some backup to it. And, and Luis Enrique continues to say, without exception, including yesterday, late yesterday, in the, in the old Zenit, the old Zenit Stadium where they're training is an island in the middle of the river, the Neva River. And um, they bought it on tick, Never Never. And he kept saying, I haven't picked my team. I'm only going to pick it on Friday because any of them can play. And there's only two, there's only one outfield, Diego Llorente, who hasn't featured yet, plus Sanchez, De Gea's injured, so that doesn't count. And he played a little role by coming onto the pitch at halftime, putting his arm around Unai Simon. And I want to, even though you haven't asked me that, I want to talk about this. Unai Simon, I, I interviewed yesterday. Um, it's one of the most satisfying interviews that I can remember doing in recent times because I was concerned about the fact that a guy, he sat through the press conference prior to the interview with his, with his hand slumped, his hand on his chin, slumped looking at the, the, the questioners. And he did his best, but during the press conference, it was like, why am I... Ha-? It was 48 hours ago. It was the worst moment of my life. Why am I having to go through this? He wasn't rude. He, he didn't treat people with contempt, but he was like, you know, I'd rather be examined by a proctologist with a thistle for a finger than do this. And by the time that I was due to speak to him, I was thinking, right, I want to make this worthwhile for everybody, him, me, and those who subsequently see it. How do I do it? I did my very best to think more about the interview than I normally do, because I normally go freestyle, and he was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant. When I Simon talked about, I was mad at myself, I was beating myself up for two minutes, and then I thought, I can't hide, I can't let everybody down. And people talk about the save from Cramerich um, at 3-3, but Neil, the, the times when just after the error, when he lets that that little carpet ball uh, pass back from Pedri into his net, within five six minutes he's running out to boot the ball away. That that reaction, that sprint, that clarity of thought, and the thump that he gives it, you know, it was a, a Marcus Truscothic six, changed the game, changed Spain's attitude, changed him. He was a brilliant talker, really thoughtful about is it or isn't it unfair that keepers get the spotlight on them more or not? I, all I know is I've been living this all my life, blah, 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 and it was my job to do X, Y, and Z. And Luis Enrique talking about it um, yesterday on Thursday afternoon said, I'm not bothered. He said, there are, there are mistakes of concept and there are mistakes of execution. 
Mistakes of concept means that you've got your brain wrong, that you're thinking about it wrong, and your problem will reoccur. A mistake of execution means if it's not a one-off, there's nothing wrong with your ideology, there's nothing wrong with your technique, it's incidental. It's happened, you can move on. And he, he put that down as a mistake of execution. It doesn't mean that the first time, Pedri's been told you can pass it back to me again. It doesn't mean the first time there's a big cross comes in from Switzerland. It doesn't mean it's the first time that there's a shot trundling from distance. Everybody who's got a little Spanish um, crush will be, will draw breath when those first ones come. And I think when I see one, we'll, we'll cope with it. But it's just another little um, beautiful cameo of, I'd like this kid to do well but it's going to be conditioned. There are a lot of sides who would have made Unai Simon's evening tonight a lot simpler than Switzerland will do. We haven't talked about the difference Sergio Busquets' return has influenced the sort of graph hockey stick improvement of Spain. He just has something different to the alternatives for that jersey, whether it's um, Thiago or Rodri. I I want to pick up what you said there. Um, I really like Rodri as a footballer. But it does him a huge disservice if people think about him as a Busquets replacement because he has not got, I mean, literally hasn't got what Busquets got. If you want Rodri in the centre of your midfield, he can excel. I think he can be special, but you're not asking him to do the same things. It is much more, he is a defensive midfielder who is sensible on the ball, who can win physical challenges, he's decent in the air, and he'll get you um, timing runs, you get your goals into running at the ball. He, he can't, he literally can't do what Busquets does. Busquets is, is daring, he lives on the edge. Um, it gives me a thrill because I was one of those who thought that whenever he's in a team whereby the necessary work around him isn't being done, he's, he's, he's really struggling. And I think that remains the truth. So first of all, in what we're watching now, there's a huge lesson for Koeman and for Frankie de Jong. Because with Pedri, that's Barcelona's midfield that we're seeing now for Spain working so well. Pedri and Busquets. But Koke is doing something completely different to what de Jong does. De Jong's had an exceptional season. But he's all about power runs and going beyond and leading. And Koke is like, I, I am in here by your right-hand side and I am going to be harassing players if there's a breakaway I'm covering it I'm making sure that Professor the outside world needn't bother you just you go and invent a mutant chicken eating cat that also can do scrabble quizzes and is has a beautiful tenor voice Professor go in that quiet quiet room and invent that and we'll call him Rex Busquets is like that on the pitch. It isn't simply about when he plays high. If the ball's breaking from the opposition penalty area, before he's even realised it's coming to him, he's got pictures of where people are around him. And you'll see a chest volley, a headed volley, a side foot, usually right foot volley, straight back to somebody who's in red, who's up in that mayhem. He's also, he's a Catalan. I've never heard him speaking about politics. But I am knocked out by how much it means to him to captain Spain and it does and our cameraman caught him after the Poland game when he was back in time to have started but Lisa Ricky chose not to use him they come off the pitch really gutted against Poland and he's on the pitch before he's even thought about it and he, t- he told me at the time it was spontaneous he's masked up perfectly like you should be 
he's in full um, Spain, you know, non-combat cities, and he's seeking players out, words of encouragement. And he said to me, the next game started there on the pitch, there and then. He said, I know about psychology at a tournament. You haven't got time to work in it like at club level. And if you if it if it drizzles away down the drain, it can be difficult to get it. And that really struck me too because we want to talk about his, his first time passing his control and his, his pressing and his I, I've been transfixed by watching him Will the great Sergio Busquets be your Bet365 player of the day Graham by my reckoning you have four teams in play today's quarter finalists Spain Switzerland Italy and Belgium no, I disagree with you because I mentioned in the in the in the goal twin podcast I had Courtois as my bet three six five man of the day and he's playing today and therefore to, to dodge away from that would be stupid. I want my bet three six five man of the day to be the referee in the in the game between Switzerland and Spain. And I say that because I, I will unashamedly state that I think the refereeing in this tournament has been absolutely exceptional. I think it's been under-commentated. I think that VAR has been deployed at a, a rate of knots which is massively higher than we see in domestic competitions. And, you know, right across these games, I found it very rare where I say, well, referee, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not impressed or I, I, I thoroughly disagree. I was a little bit unhappy with the German in, in the Portugal uh, game when uh, Paulinho could have been booked twice, but these are details. Overall, the refereeing level has been extremely high. Um, I am not categorising Switzerland as a dirty team at all, but I think they're within their rights to say, we're going to jostle you, Spain. We're not going to make it easy for you. There's going to be quite a lot of uh, physical contact. The pressing is going to be energetic. And all we need is a referee to do a clever job of saying that's an admissible level that's not and then we see the best game possible and that referee is uh, Michael Oliver you know I've set him up because I, I like him and I trust him and I don't want a Spain biased performance from him at all I simply want somebody who's clever enough to say I see the shades of grey and this level of pressure is totally acceptable and this level of pressure I'm going to warn you and I'm going to book you and and, and I like Michael Oliver and I think he's well positioned to keep up the extraordinary level that we've seen uh, this tournament and Neil I don't know if you agree or not but I don't think it's been I mean look we, we've been working in different countries I don't think people have applauded them enough we're quick enough to criticise I've really enjoyed the majority of the referee performances and all I'm asking is that Michael Oliver sticks to that level um, tonight in St. Petersburg. That's our show, dear listener. I hope you enjoyed it. Day one of the quarterfinals. They are going to be unmissable, so don't miss them. Graham will be back as soon as Spain finish their game with Switzerland with his immediate reaction late tonight. Don't miss that either. And enjoy the football. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. 
so you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.